the Doxed, the podcast. It's kind of a given that if you're the loser, you're covering the court costs. Yeah. So it's one thing to threaten. It's a whole other, it's a whole other thing to follow through with that threat, which is why I never took it seriously. That's why I called her bluff. The first thing I did was call her bluff back way back in January. She starts threatening all this legal stuff. I was like, all right, <laughs> let's find out. I mean, she has a long know. history, a long history of threatening, threatening legal action against people. Like the spiritual TikTok stuff is not her first go around on TikTok. She's been canceled before in other communities, threatening legal action against people and legal action being threatened against her. It's like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And I think she also thought she would get away with it because I think intimidation can work because there is a level that it gets to where you're just like, this isn't worth it. Like I'm right, but this isn't worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, But what she didn't count on was, was autism, I think. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm not sure she understands autism. So I don't think she counted on a bunch of people being like, oh, well, intimidation doesn't really work for me because my entire life is everybody trying to intimidate me into being something I'm not. So good luck. I'm now like, you know, that thing of you hit 30 and you're like, you no longer care. Uh, That's me. Only I'm autistic. And only there's like 10 of us. Like, (laughs) like you picked the wrong battle here because we're not, we're not able to be intimidated. Like you can do a lot and this really sucks for us. It's absolutely not okay in any way but you picked the wrong battle. You needed to take the L four months ago. Mm-hmm. Pick the wrong battle with the wrong people. The wrong people. It's not just the group. It's not even a group of people. She picked multiple battles with multiple people. It's a type of people because she went after people that she underestimated. She went after people mm-hmm. she thought she could dominate and then she was wrong. And not because, you know, not whatever. It's because It's because we've all been through this rodeo before. We've all been... I think part of the experience of being an autistic person who's an adult and not a white man is that you're constantly trying to be like people are constantly trying to intimidate and dominate you. And so eventually you develop a thick skin. Eventually you're like, oh, I know who I am. And it's not what you say. And I'm not doing that. I'm going to listen to myself. And so this was a very bad idea to go after like six people that all have learned that through the hard knocks of life the hard knocks of autism Mm -hmm. i mean if you have autism you've had it your entire life and you've been bullied Mm -hmm. if you're autistic you have been bullied within an inch of your life at some point in your life and probably continuously which does help you develop a thick skin and help you recognize who the bullies are and who the bullies aren't again she messed with the wrong fucking people yeah and that's not even, that's not a threat. That's literally just a level of confidence that I think we all have in ourselves. That's the result of our life experiences and where we're all at in life at this point. For us to be, I mean, it's it's kind of, it really is unprecedented, I think, to have so many autistic creators in one space. It's a TikTok unique thing that just happened. And before that, we, you know, there wasn't really a space for us to coalesce like that and much less to rise up with that level of confidence of like, maybe we could do this because the world wasn't ready for us until right now this is the first time the world is ready for all of this and for us and gives us even like even allows us to like eke out that space to even find each other so i think we all just got totally underestimated and it's not a threat it's just it was just the wrong battle to pick you can't you can't intimidate like there's just no yeah like this this could get pretty bad 
and there are days where there's like, oh God, there's no hope here. But um, it's, a, it's just a, it's a matter of survival for I think a lot of us in, wrapped up in this. And so you can't intimidate us out of surviving. Get out of here with that. And I do agree with you. Yeah, there are days that are scarier than others because it escalates in ways that you can't even wrap your brain around. But the reason why it escalates in these really dangerous ways is because there is no legal case. If you had a legal case, you'd be dealing with it legally and not through all of these really dangerous, harmful social media troll kind of ways. You wouldn't be doxing people. You wouldn't be reaching out to their exes. You wouldn't be calling their moms. You wouldn't be calling you wouldn't be weaponizing police welfare checks on people if you had a case. No, you wouldn't I, feel backed into a corner if you had a case, a strong yeah, case of that. Exactly. If you have, yeah. And one reason I feel like this is so important too is because she clearly feels emboldened because to some degree she's gotten away with it before when dealing with other people. And I do, I, I worry that if she gets away with it here, it will continue. It will continue on and other people will go through this entire experience only now she's even more emboldened that she can do all this stuff and that she won't get caught and there will be no consequences. And that is, that's even scarier for whoever comes next then. I'm scared for them. I don't want them to have to go through this. Mm -hmm. They might not be as capable of surviving it. I don't know. I don't know them. I know mm -hmm. that I am. So that's part of what makes this feel so important because the idea that she could continue going on and doing this forever to people, um, if there's a chance to stop it, to me, that is that is uh, really important to do if it's at all possible and, and not to stop her from existing, not even to stop her from having a platform. Talk about spirituality. As all of us have said, don't die. Nobody wants you to die. Nobody wants you to be unduly hurt. Everybody just wants you to stop. And if, and, and I know, and it's urgent, it's important because it, because there's no reason for the behavior not to continue. If that's what is learned is that it works. Mm -hmm. So it has to not work or it's going to continue. She says all the time that this is the kind of thing that pushes people to take their own lives. Well, yeah, no shit. Yes, it is. Like what she's doing is what pushes people to take their own lives and she vows that she's never going to stop exactly so we, and then there's we like, have a mission now we have work to do now yeah i have i mean it bothers me so much that there's that one i already mentioned pixie frogs in this episode that one troll pixie frogs who has been in this from the i'm looking at some of these early early lives and there's pixie frogs in there being terrible in the comments um that person keeps saying that because uh, she kind of tried to pick up the mantle because at the very beginning of this alley was like, oh, yeah, all these people have died of spiritual psychosis. And then, of course, we got all fixated on this one example and on me, which is a shame for all those other unnamed people, I guess, except for now, Pixie Frogs has been trying to go back and find other examples to kind of make this point through some cases like people. Oh, yeah, you guys, people die of spiritual psychosis. And apparently she brought up some case where I didn't even, I never watch her page, but I was just told through a friend that she brought up she, one of her examples of this was a situation where actually it was like some cult situation and there were two murderers who were still on the run. It wasn't that people died of spiritual psychosis, they died of murder. And then meanwhile, as we're going down this rabbit hole for this project, there are so many cases of people dying of cyberbullying, you guys, there's so many people 
there's so many people. It hurts my heart. And it's not a comparison. There can be two dangerous ways that people are led to death. But like, uh, for this to all be up everyone's butt about spiritual psychosis, which is not in the DSM-5, which is not a real reason why, like, it's not, you can try to have some higher level argument that it should be some kind of classification of how people die. It's not in any legal sense uh, or in any psych- psych- psychiatric sense. And in the meantime, mm-hmm. it is, uh, it's gut-wrenching how many people have died of cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. It's gut-wrenching. How many teens, how many kids, how many queer trans people, how many people of color, marginalized mm-hmm. people, disabled people, this is who dies of cyberbullying. And there are so many, and there are people who, if you wanted to be an influencer and really um, get a fiery passion on behalf of people who had died and get that as a cause for yourself, pick cyberbullying because there's people whose families after they passed have rallied around the idea that they should be, they should be held up as an example toward this cause of let's end cyberbullying. So you're not going to step on anyone's toes if you start talking about those people, because that's their entire family is around the idea that we need to like address this problem. It's not something of like, oh, I've got to disguise it because otherwise who knows if their family would be upset. Like, you know, we don't even have to deal with this level of like, let's be sensitive and disguise the person from their real identity. No, there's entire families out there. Like, please talk about this because our loved one has passed away because of intense cyberbullying over a period of time. And there's so many cases. It's infuriating to hear somebody trying to make this flimsy case about everybody that's died of spiritual psychosis with their with their one terrible example so far, you know? This is what her platform was really built on. But it was built on. <laughs> Cyberbullying people. It was never about spirituality at all. There was really no other content. I mean, and yeah, I, uh, Carrie Ann brings up, there's no, there's no nonprofit that came from this. There's no, I really still don't even understand the psychology of people who went to her and said, you, you saved my life or whatever. Even in those private comments mm-hmm. from, from the friend to Allie, none of what was shown at least mentioned anything about privacy. That seems to have all been an Allie plan mm-hmm. to save her own butt and be mm-hmm. able to use someone without it getting connected back to her. Well, here's the consequences of being very insensitive and unethical when you're approaching a true crime situation. Don't do that next time. This is a terrible approach to this. It hurt people. I also want to say I had made a joke in the midst of being dragged through the mud by Allie for weeks on end. I'd made a joke in a TikTok story. Wouldn't it be so funny if, if her family sent me and Allie both cease and desist orders because maybe then neither of us will have to talk about this again I was getting asked a ton of questions but it would be a funny joke of like yes please send us both cease and desist orders so I don't have to answer to this that was like again was weeks and weeks ago like probably right after your six months ago January, it, was right? yeah. Yeah. it was in January yeah it was in January and in I think it was in Allie's YouTube video. She's like, and Roxy lied saying that the family sent us both cease and desist. She doesn't even know what a cease and desist is. And first of all, it was a joke. I didn't claim to be sent a and d The only person I got a and d was Allie. <laughs> it wasn't from, I had mentioned that, I think I made a, a TikTok about 
having chosen not to be on the group C&D that was sent to Allie, thank God I wasn't on that. I, I mentioned not wanting to be on that because it would have been essentially a gag order for me to also not talk about my experience of Allie. And I did not want to be silenced further because a cease and desist letter, well, let's just get into what a cease and desist letter is, first of all, um, because it's one of the first steps you can take in like a defamation situation, which is why Allie was sent a cease and desist letter from a bunch of different creators. I, again, was not on that group C&D, but essentially it's a gag order in this context because there was some defamatory stuff going on on Allie's end and people wanted her to stop talking about them. So I use the term gag order because it would mean, hey, if you don't want, if I don't want Allie to talk about me, I can't talk about Allie either. So that's why I didn't want to be on it because I wanted to be able to talk about my story. But a and d isn't necessarily all about like you're saying something I don't want you to say. So here's a and d It can be, it's a warning to prevent any further action any further action or to to seek damages if the person that you're making that request or sending that warning to doesn't comply with what you're warning them about. So it can be like property infringement, like copyright infringement or trademark violations. It could be because someone's harassing you or it could be because of defamation. It's stopping further harm being caused to you by sending them a warning but it's not a legally binding document. It's a warning saying, stop this or I'm going to do that. It's also not extortion to send a C&D. It's, uh, it's on the up and up. It just, it clearly maps out what they're doing that's causing you harm, the harm that it's causing you and what you're going to do if they don't stop. So gag order, yeah, it can be if what you're requesting of them and what you're warning them about is them harassing you or cyberbullying you or defaming you or your business so yeah and and I to my knowledge nobody has has received any kind of legal documentation from anyone except that Ali has received legal documentation from tar- multiple targets of her of hers mm-hmm. but but she has not sent anything to my knowledge uh nobody has that's the only legal documentation so far is cease and desists etc sent to Allie. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't respect it. She was sent to C&D no. to stop harassing and defaming and cyberbullying the people that were on the C&D. And she immediately hit record and made like five or six videos about it, making fun of it. And then and- immediately called the lawyer who had served the cease and desist and harassed them at their legal offices with like a bunch of calls and voicemails. Which, you know, don't do that. That's don't a bad that. way to respond to a C&D. But again, a C&D isn't a legally binding document. It's not A C&D is not a court order. Mm-hmm. It's a warning from me to you, you to her, her to you, whatever. It's not from a judge to someone. So if you're going to send a C&D, you have to be prepared to enforce it and back it up with actual legal action and a court order or you're going to sue someone or whatever a and d it's like hopefully they'll be intimidated enough by it or take it seriously enough to not continue to cause you harm but they don't have to stop yeah. a judge would have to make them stop and this is a rabbit hole too i'm interested in talking about i think we're going to talk about both legitimate 
stalking and gang stalking situations. And then also there's communities of people who believe they're being gang stalked that that are understood widely to be delusional. So I think we're going to try to talk a little bit about the distinction between when you know you're getting stalked or gang stalked and what it might look like if there's something else going on neurologically that might make you feel that way or what what kind of red flags would be for that kind of thing as well because i do think that's important and this and this real life kind of stuff can also cause paranoia and sometimes intentionally because a lot of the people that will even engage in this kind of behavior i think are trying to play psychological tactics so from what i understand gang stalking is like surveilling you threatening you, gaslighting you, vandalizing your property. It can be a group of multiple people or it can be a whole organization doing that. But the goal is to make you feel crazy. It's to make you feel fearful and intimidated, to feel isolated and paranoid, to sort of weaken you. And then cyber stalking, using some kind of device to do the same thing under the definition of gang stalking, just online. I also looked up a definition of just regular stalking, again, from the Oxford Languages Dictionaries. This seems to be the same, the very same definition that Jubilee used in an early video because Allie was like, I'm, because I had accused Allie of doing stalking behavior at me super early on. And then Allie was like, no, I didn't, nothing like that. And so one of Jubilee's first videos, and I do also just want to say, I think I said this in a, in an episode that we recorded, but later decided to drop in favor of some other stuff that seemed more urgent to talk about. But uh, the biggest uh, egg on my face of the entire first half of the season that we dropped is that I I missed I didn't get Jubilee's birthday. <laughs> it's, it was January fourteenth and not the seventeenth, and I feel like the biggest piece of shit because I love Jubilee and I will never forget her birthday again. Um, but anyway. <laughs> So that entire thing happened because of my whole friends only video going public. And so that was all around the time she was getting wrapped up in it. And one of her first TikTok videos on the entire thing was she wasn't trying to like go after Allie in the beginning. She wasn't like, oh, I'm going to deplatform Allie immediately. Her first videos were like, let's get some definitions in here. Let's talk abstractly as we all are trying to do about what's going on. So she gave this def definition of stalking, which was in support of and does support my use of the term at the time. It is the first definition is to pursue or approach stealthily. And then the second one is to harass or persecute someone with unwanted and obsessive attention. Mm. That is a good, I think, basic definition of stalking. And then, yeah, gang stalking would just be like a group. Mm -hmm. And cyber stalking isn't necessarily a group. It's stalking through the like electronic means and through mm -hmm. the internet mm -hmm. but within this context i would say this is like cyber gang stalking but the best example i can think of in terms of cyber gang stalking which i don't think isn't a real term but it would be what's happening in all these little discords and the private reddit mm -hmm. that is very much cyber gang stalking for sure very clandestine very much using burner accounts to record everything that we make and pass it around. I know for a fact that a background check was done on me. That's probably being spread around the Reddit. It's it's gross and scary. Pretending to like purposely scheming 
to pretend to be our friends, to get close to us, to get information, to take back to the private Reddit, to take back to Allie. Yeah. And I think also sometimes with just regular, just stalking, there can be different reasons for that. Like maybe you just have a nasty ex who feels like they own you and is going to come sit outside your house or whatever, which is part of Carrie Ann's story, uh, you know, and part of what makes that all ex- extra dangerous and, and terrifying. But it seems like with gang stalking, often there's kind of a specific part of it that is psychological, that is intended to psychologically harm you and make you feel crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, it's very interesting to me. Some of these, well, it's interesting to look at some of the cases you found of legitimate gang stalking because, in a lot of cases, disturbingly enough, it's coming like from the government. And in order to kind of mm-hmm. keep citizens in line, you know, or keep people in line on behalf of very powerful systemic organizations and uh, institutions. So that's kind of mind blowing. But then, There's also this other level of people that get very conspiracy minded and dip into, well, I do think this gang song is, and you almost, people have their own experiences. You really can't take that away from them. At the end of the day, who am I to say like what's really going on? But at the same time, I do think it's, um, it can be dangerous to, and there are very real, there's very real cases of delusions that, that everybody is out to get you and that is, is thinking about you and is focused on attacking you. So it's really Mm -hmm. interesting, I think, to look at the distinction between some of these like psyops that are intended to drive people crazy. And then what does it look like to really actually be experiencing a delusion as opposed to somebody trying to make you feel like you're deluded? And I think there are some clear kind of clear differences or like red flag, green flag kind of things. So I'm excited to talk about that, Mm -hmm. but maybe let's start with like the, the counterintelligence program, (laughs) for example. Oh, maybe even just the origins of gang stalking you have here. It says um, it was believed to have emerged during the 60s and 70s when the FBI and other law enforcement agencies engaged in illegal surveillance and harassment of political activists and dissenters. This period, known as the counterintelligence program, was later exposed and condemned for violations of civil liberties. Uh mm-hmm. I wonder if that is kind of the first instance of gang stalking, but I'm sure it's the first time when it was being talked about in a kind of legal sense. But yeah, that was like from the FBI between starting from the late um, 50s, actually. And the program was established by J. Edgar Hoover. And its goal was to, its like stated goal was to disrupt and neutralize political organizations that were deemed a threat to national security. But it ultimately targeted civil rights activists, anti-war protesters, Mm -hmm. and and Black organizations, including the Black Panther Party, which gets a a bad rap. But y'all, read some of these writings from members of the Black Panther Party, if you ever want to be really radicalized, like in a a good way, like in in an open your eyes way. Read the actual words of the Black Panther Party as opposed to what the government wants us to think about the Black Panther Party. Just saying. Isn't the Black Panther Party the reason why there's like free school lunch for or underprivileged kids. I mean, yeah, they did a ton of they did a ton of like amazing things for the black community for Americans. Like they did a ton of things that were uh they they got totally smeared like as an organization, I think. In my opinion, they got mm-hmm. kind of smeared by they the country. Smeared. 
And that's why, like, they were the targets of a smear campaign that was pretty successful because of whatever you're thinking about them. If you haven't done the work to, to look into them, read their words because it makes a lot more sense than the government wants you to think it makes. I feel like the counterintelligence program in no way at all in American history, there's no way they could have been like the first on record gang stalking situation they could not be the origin because the fact that the story about them is like the most notable story about them is them absolutely destroying the black panther party Mm -hmm. there's a theme there that dates back way way beyond the 1960s like you can't tell me the police weren't the first gang stalkers aka slave catchers like there's no freaking way i think that it must also be Going back to that thing of like, do you have legal recourse first? And if you don't, this is the kind of stuff you resort to. Because I'm sure before that, you could just do it within the law because the law was white men, right? But now, Mm -hmm. in this case, like they use tactics like illegal surveillance, wiretapping, blackmail, intimidation. Of course, intimidation, I'm sure. Uh, But Mm -hmm. a lot of that other stuff, it's like you resort to that once the laws start to make it safe enough for people to legally do things you know like uh once you can't just rely on some corrupt jury or judge or or institution to just do the dirty work for you or your or your huge cult following to do the dirty work for you that's when you resort to mm-hmm. all this other stuff and i mean that's why that's why pushes for civil rights and and legal protections for for protected classes that's why that's so important and that's what pushes things Mm -hmm. into this realm i think i mean this is part of this ongoing battle for civil rights this is what the pushback is this is what what it looks like when the institution starts to not get their way anymore i don't know why this name is popping into my head but i keep hearing the name emmett till going through this gang stalking stuff like i feel like that is an example of this exact thing it, it's the theme of emmett till is such a good example of everything we're talking about tonight um caroline bryant is that her name brant or bryant sees emmett till in a an elevator accuses him of coming on to her and sends a, a mob of white men to get him and punish him kill him and take him away from his mom he was a little boy 13 year old boy he was a kid like that is such an example of everything we're talking about that some white woman can just make up a story which she admitted in her old ass age that she made up this story about Emmett Till that got murdered brutally murdered and the same thing is happening right now where Allie can just make up whatever and the mob just comes no questions asked stalking us hunting us down hunting down our information doxing us posting our family's photos all over the place calling our moms like this is ugh, this is making my blood boil thinking about this but emmett till came up in my mind because i feel like that's relevant it's a really extreme case of this whole thing it is and that's also it's that's like a that's like a race-based story and this is like a disability-based story i feel like although for in your case it's disability and race of course 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that there's like a whole recurring theme too of just like it's about social power. You can't really extort someone if you don't have social power over them in some way or some kind of power, like to to actually you know have a threat that carries weight that makes people afraid. That's really the only way you can successfully extort someone or have anything to extort them with. It's a terrible group that the counterintelligence program stalked and harassed and illegally surveilled and wiretapped and blackmailed and intimidated the Black Panther Party, leading to the assassination of a really influential leader of the Chicago chapter of the Black Panther Party. God, shot to death in his sleep during a raid. A lot like Breonna Taylor, also shot to death in her bed during a raid. Ugh, this is just, ugh, just so dark that uh, law enforcement and our own government can be this way. This is why it it bugs me that um, wellness checks can be weaponized, police wellness checks, because it leads to violence against Black people and harm against BIPOC bodies. This is a terrible program. It was uh, a definitely dark time in American history, one of many dark times. They were one of many horrible groups and organizations run by the government that harmed people and impeded on people's civil liberties. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, awful. Yeah, I mean, it's wild to think that, of course, it's going to have a chilling effect on political activism when you realize that the actual FBI is targeting activists. That's shameful. Mm-hmm. And it's a violation of civil rights, which is why it was found to be illegal what they were doing. And good thing, you know, but that's like a slow, long, slow fight toward protecting protected classes. And that's just an example of our complete failure as a country to protect basic rights. And it was all steeped in racism. Obviously, the whole history of the police is that they come from like KKK slave catchers and then developed into the institution of policing the country. Mm-hmm. I mean, and of course, there's going to be tendrils of that that just continue into and get baked into any kind of organization unless you were to restart the entire thing. And and frankly, that's kind of what I think would be the best, like not, you know, not that I'm in charge, but uh, it seems like the only way to, it seems like the only way to address police brutality in this country is at a systemic level by basically dissolving and then reforming the police because of that history. It's just baked in until it's just baked in. You really can't just fix it unless you got everybody out of there and started fresh, I think. That's my opinion. But I mean, this is the real kind of thing that happens when that history is baked in. Are you tired of feeling unsafe online? Do you want to learn how to protect yourself from cyberbullying, doxing, and other forms of online harassment? Then look no further than Doxed the Podcast. Visit the website doxthepodcast.com to sign up for the Doxed free ebook full of helpful tips and resources for online safety. Plus, when you sign up, you'll receive the weekly newsletter with the latest updates on upcoming content. There are many ways to connect with Doxed, including Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Discord. Have a story to share or feedback to give? Use the contact form on the site to reach out or leave a voice message to be featured on the show. And for exclusive content, subscribe to the Doxed Supercast to gain access to the private podcast feed with member-only exclusives. Take control of your online safety and join the Doxed community today. This is this is the consequence, or one of many consequences. I mean, it continues to today. It continues into 
everything about our culture, everything about George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, everything about the way that those things work and the way that we turn a blind eye. It's all about the history there. Yeah. Undeniable. You can't turn your back on the history and expect to make change. No, no. Yes. Wise words. Um, And then you have also in these notes, I love your, you did such good notes for this episode. Um, You mentioned the Red Scare as well. So that began in 1917 and kind of came back in the 40s and 50s, uh, fueled by a fear of Soviet espionage and the spread of communism. So communists, communism is uh, another, I wouldn't say communism is, there's definitely problems with communism, let's say that, but there was all this fear Mm -hmm. that everybody was a communist that was used against regular citizens by the House Un-American Activities Committee, which targeted people and organizations suspected of communist affiliations. People were blacklisted, they were harassed, they were jailed for alleged ties to communism, which kind of reminds you also of like the um, the trials of all the of all the uh, Death Eaters in Harry Potter. Like, I think that was kind of based on that. You know, it's mm. like a witch hunt. It's like a kind of a witch hunt, basically. Yeah. And then there's also Operation Chaos, which is even more kind of explicit in its goals, where it mm. was a covert surveillance program launched by the CIA in the 60s, which targeted American citizens suspected of involvement in the anti-war movement and other leftist causes. CIA agents infiltrated and monitored groups and individuals collecting information on their activities and their beliefs. That kind of sounds like what we went through in a way, in a smaller way. Mm -hmm. Um, And this program continued for like a decade before it was shut down uh, around the Watergate scandal. But it's a huge abuse of power by the government. And it's so interesting how it's like interesting to me that institutions are always targeting radical and like leftist is a very politicized word communist is a very politicized word black panthers are obviously very politicized even just to throw out those terms people immediately have a reaction whatever socialist is another word like that yeah a fascist like all of these kind of terms get a gut reaction from people either way depending on how you've been raised and kind of the environments you're in there's a reason for that there's a reason that you're the government has done smear campaigns against like, and again, not all of it. Like, like there's a whole other conversation about communism. There's a whole other conversation about what counts as literal fascism and what is just like a fascist uh, behavior, you know? But the idea that the government is coming out here and, and literally doing smear campaigns against black revolutionaries and against leftist values in general, like just um, why do you do a smear campaign? Because you're afraid of the power of something, because you're afraid that something actually might make a change. That's mm-hmm. when the system pushes back against something, is when the system is afraid that the thing might actually change the system, might actually break the system. So it's very interesting that I've never heard of some big government smear campaign against Fox News, against, you know, that's, it's interesting what the government puts its attention toward in terms of let's destroy this idea before it can, uh, before it can do anything to us. But then, and then it's also interesting in relation to, again to uh, the stuff a little bit later on that we can talk about, which is the, when people are suffering from mental health issues and maybe having a delusion that they're being gang stalked, 
the themes that come up in that are very interesting to me as well in contrast to these kind of actual gang stalking situations. Um, but first, do we want to go into um, the cyber stalking cases that you have listed? Yeah. Yeah. The first one listed kind of threw me for a loop because it was very strange. This is the, the U.S. versus Drew. Lori Drew. So I guess what had happened in this case was Lori Drew's daughter had gotten into a conflict with another girl, like a 13-year-old girl. Yes. A kid's thing going on. Uh, so her gets into it with this young girl named Megan. And as a way to punish Megan, Lori created, she catfished this little girl, this 13-year-old girl, by pretending to be a boy on MySpace and fell in love with her and started dating her online. They obviously never met because he wasn't like a real person. And then as the persona of the boy broke her heart by like ghosting her and ending the relationship and little Megan committed suicide because of it. Like this grown woman was catfishing this little girl to punish her for, to humiliate her and harass her for getting into conflict with her daughter and she killed herself sociopathic i mean yeah that's really upsetting like i can understand a mother's love doing anything for your to defend your kid but that's got to be i mean because this kind of cyber stalking part of part of it is that it is like sustained obsessive levels of harassment to -hmm. take all of your day and do this i mean to pretend to be a made-up person to engage with this young girl on the level where you're developing a relationship she's falling in love with this this catfish persona that you're made that you made up specifically to humiliate her and break her heart because she got into a tiff with your teenage daughter as a lot of teenage girls will do at that age and it cost her her life she was a little girl. I don't think people need to understand how how young 13 is. Oh, my God. I think I was still playing with Barbies when I was 13. I was a little girl. Yeah. In the case of Emmett Till, too, 14. Like, these are kids. Babies, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she definitely did not win her case. Um, mm. uh, she definitely got in trouble for that. I don't know how long her sentence was, but awful disgusting but what it also says is she was convicted of um three misdemeanors seems like that would be more than a misdemeanor that's that's pretty wild that's probably some kind of technicality because it wasn't like it wasn't manslaughter and i feel like there's been other cases similar to this where someone does something awful and it drives someone to take their own life so it's technically not murder they really have to dig deep to find a way to make this person guilty. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's like, it would be hard to prove. Yeah. Okay, so this was a case against a guy named Gregory Allen Elliott, and the Canadian Supreme Court upheld a conviction where he was charged with criminal harassment for a two-year campaign of harassment against two different women, and uh, it was called R.V. Elliot. Oh, and also it says two women, but then it says three women. So there was a feminist critic named Anita Sarkeesian, and then... Wait, was, was Anita Sarkeesian related to this? 
Yeah. That's interesting. I know who that Stephanie is. Catherine. She was totally like cyber bullied for being a feminist, basically. Everybody hates Anita Sarkeesian. And yeah, it's her and Stephanie Guthrie. Okay. I did not realize that was like the same thing. But yeah, everybody, I remember all that and just being like, wow, people really hate women when that was all going down because it was not like there was not a huge voice. I should, I should back up and talk about this cases, but like, I just remember all that stuff with Anita Sarkeesian going down online and being, and thinking in my own head as a young non-binary AFAB person growing up at that time. I think I was like a late teen at the time that that was happening or a young adult maybe. And I just remember being like, wow, everyone really does hate women because there was so much rhetoric about how feminists were terrible, screeching, nasty women. And I was just like, nothing she's saying really like she just seemed kind of like like people were reading into her tone just like they're doing to us and just like nobody had grace for her and i didn't follow it super closely but i remember getting this taste in my mouth of like oh the world hates me because of that you know yeah. just like wow the world really hates women because they are so ready to rip to shreds anybody that they think of as a feminist which is weird like it's weird how much hate the idea of feminism gets when it's really just literally like equal rights for women. Now you can get into womanism versus feminism and why that might be like white exclusionary, but for some man to rag on feminism, it's like, nope, you're just a misogynist, I think is what's happening there. So we have R.V. Elliott and that was in Toronto. Gregory Allen Elliott was charged with criminally harassing. It says three women here. So I don't know if it's two or three. Following a dispute with Stephanie Guthrie, who was another feminist activist, the case was considered to have implications for free speech in Canada, and it was the first prosecution for harassment that solely involved activity on Twitter. And after the trial's conclusion, there were earlier cases of criminal harassment that were found, but Elliot's is still the only one that is known to not include any violent threats. So that's interesting. Looking through the background of that case, it looks like Anita Sarkeesian had started a Kickstarter campaign for a video series called Tropes versus Women in Video Games and got a lot of hate for that. I remember that. And she was talking about a video game that in her promoted real violence. Um, I get probably specifically violence against women, I'm assuming. That's why she did this whole video series. And yeah, that got her a lot of hate online for um spoke about that. Yeah, they definitely dehumanized her. And Stephanie Guthrie, I guess, experienced the same thing because she objected to that game, that particular video game, and reached out to the news and potential employers for in the the game designers town. And this is Gregory, Gregory, Gregory Allen Elliott. That's hard to say. Shit. Gregory Allen Elliott was an artist in Toronto. He decided to go after Guthrie. And uh, he was quoted saying that Stephanie Guthrie's actions were every bit as vicious as the face punch game. Hmm. I don't know. It just sounds like a neck beard mouth breather in... <laughs> Some basement <laughs> with chips, crumbs on his belly, angrily typing on Twitter against two women that are being outspoken and being smart about a video game promoting 
potentially promoting real violence. It's yeah. called, it's referred to as a face punch game. Like, yeah, that's violent. Yeah. And that was a different time online too. I don't know how many people listening were adults online at that time and how many people weren't, but it was a very different landscape in terms of what you could get away with in terms of harassing people and the opinions on women were very different. Like you even think back to, if anyone's heard like Monica Lewinsky talk more recently, and I was a kid really when all that was happening, but I just remember, I don't remember much, but I remember that people were happy to shit all over her and hearing her talk now about how she faced a lot of harassment, cyberbullying, uh, and and defamation of her character and she was very young at that time and mm-hmm. I think part of what went into how badly how bad the abuse was toward her was how very okay it was by society at large to be terrible to women like and and also this whole stuff with Anita Sarkeesian and uh, Stephanie Guthrie is in that same vein, like the whole environment was different to where people really, it was just like, uh, like the resounding conclusion from online was these women are less than human. They're terrible. And they're really, when you looked, there wasn't that much of a reason and it wouldn't stand today. Like the kind of stuff that was happening to these people back then, if it happened in 2023, if it played out, it would be such a different situation. I think we're kind of in this space dealing with it in terms of disability, but that's like, that's like pushing the line further. Like it used to be like literally anyone outside of the norm, even extending to just a white woman. Would yeah, I be- mean, think about how Sinead O'Connor was treated. Yeah. We're talking about the Catholic church and the atrocities happening there. She was, oh, she was treated so badly, but look, everyone's talking about the Catholic church now. It's not a secret yeah. anymore. Yeah. And like, so then also we were looking at some other cases of this stuff and Jesse Slaughter came up. And I also remember that from being a kid watching that a little bit, but looking back on that footage, it's stomach churning and it wouldn't fly today. She was like 11, Jesse Slaughter. And she was was having a breakdown on her computer because people were really bullying her. The whole thing started because this guy, this grown man, there was some rumor that she had had sex with him. She was 11. And so, and same thing with like Monica Lewinsky, like, of course, they're going to go after the young woman and not the man in, with a huge amount of power in the situation. And then she's, Jesse Slaughter's on her computer crying because people are calling her a whore. She's 11. People are, and then they're, and then her dad tried to get on there and her dad's obviously like, I guess some other, whatever came out about him later, but he was obviously trying to protect his little girl. And then he just didn't understand the internet because it was new days of the internet. So he's up there going, you, you Mm -hmm. goofed and we got all your emails and the consequences will never be the same. And people tore that all to shreds. Nobody took accountability for any of that shit. And it just, it just, it was like a different time, but like that doesn't make it okay. It's just wild to see how we have progressed even since those times in the level of vitriol that was acceptable for just absolutely anybody outside of the norm. And we're still, we're still pushing those boundaries further and further out and they need to be pushed further out. But it's crazy to think of where we came from, I think. I don't think much has really changed. Like looking back at the whole Jesse Slaughter thing and like, 
yeah, that does kind of constitute a cyber stalking because, yeah, it does constitute a cyber stalking and doxing. I, I remember seeing in a story about her that like hundreds of pizzas were sent to her house and oh I think her dad's job was contacted and all of that. Nothing has changed. The level of anonymity no. that people get to hide behind to be absolutely terrible to people that they've decided lay too outside too far out in the margins of what's acceptable in society that still exists today they get to hide behind usernames and burner accounts and sock accounts or whatever you want to call them and they get to be terrible to people i will say i think the one thing that has changed is the litigation and the fact that it's a long slow push towards civil rights but every time that every time that a case like this gets fought and one, that is a little bit more of a deterrent, I think, for people to do it the next time. And that's a good thing. And that's why we push for civil rights. And that's why we fight long, slow battles in courts, so that over time, we can push the laws in the direction of actually protecting the citizens. And so I think it's really important to highlight these cases and show that there are times where the cyber stalking, the cyber bullying does get too bad and it becomes criminal. And when that happens, that puts it in the real world. And, and it's intended to be like a deterrent for this kind of behavior because of the harm that it causes. So I think you're right. Like people's fundamental nature, like some people haven't fundamentally changed. And when they're able to get online anonymously and not think they have consequences, they'll do the same behavior. They still hate women. All these people still hate, mm -hmm. still hate people of color, still hate any, you know, disabled people. There, there's hate, but they might think twice if there's been more and more cases where people like them acted like this and then it was deemed criminal, you know? Yeah. I think the distinction though, is these cases exist because someone was found out and charged and held accountable but when it's a situation of like cyber stalking and cyber stalking in like a gang stalking kind of way and they all get to hide behind anonymity they can still do just as much emotional damage psychological damage they can still push people to commit suicide but no one takes accountability for it because no one person can be blamed. It's a group of people doing awful things in a faceless, shadow-like way. Well, that kind of, this is a whole other discussion. That kind of reminds me of like the Nuremberg trials. And like, there is a lot that people will do when they think that they're just going with the group or when they think that they, you know, they feel in, they feel like they can't speak up. And I think, yeah, I think uh, putting a light right back on those people is very revealing and hopefully very deterring because I think a lot of this is because people don't think they are going to get caught or have to face accountability. To reference the private Reddit that we were both in once upon a time when it was small and not a hate group about us. <laughs> that definitely shifted over time. But yeah, the people in there and what they're doing and how they've kind of weirdly aligned with Allie or at least a couple of them have. I don't know. It's just like a weird mishmash of abusers now. But uh, I'm sure they feel very safe and cozy in there with their Reddit usernames that can't be linked to any of their social media accounts and the way they get to move in this clandestine kind of way and can cause real world harm. 
anonymously like that reddit group is terrible and they have their sites set on us and have for months now yeah i think a lot of those people again are not out for either side they're more out just for hurting all of us but um yeah i think a big reason why they're so emboldened is because they do feel like they're anonymous and again some of them might be surprised what we know Mm -hmm. and other ones are probably smart enough to be pretty faceless and it does provide some level of protection but not a hundred percent. So then uh, we had this list of reasons why, and we're about to get into this this meat of of uh, when it can when it can enter the realm of delusion. But some reasons why gang stalking and cyber stalking can be dismissed that I think are good to talk about too. And so uh, they can be dismissed as paranoid or delusional thinking, even when they're not paranoid or delusional thinking. Uh, but that can be part of these tactics of triangulating, isolating people, leaving them without support, which is a very real tactic of people trying to psychologically manipulate other people. So you have in your notes here, which is a really good point. One of the main reasons why is that they're relatively new phenomena. Gang stalking is relatively recent. And I think it's probably easier to bring people together who are even willing to gang stalk when you have the internet. So that kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so just in the last few decades, there's been this big explosion and perhaps even more since everybody's online for the pandemic. And so people might not even be familiar with what, what even is gang stalking. A lot of people in the last week or, so, or two weeks, as this concept has come up, have actually, I've, I've brought it up and then people have met me with not quite understanding what that term even means, which is pretty interesting. And it is, I think, because it's because it's kind of a new, but yet exploding into a big problem, but a, but a relatively new problem, probably because of the internet in part. Then there's uh, another reason why it might be dismissed is that it's really difficult to prove, which is part of what you were saying just earlier. It can be anonymous, especially with the internet. You can do it from pretty much anywhere in the world. You can combine forces with people all across a map. So it's very difficult to mm -hmm. identify a perpetrator and prosecute them because you have to have a preponderance of evidence. So it could be easy to dismiss for that reason. Also, it can be difficult to understand yeah, people could hack your social media accounts, spread false information. Uh, there's a lot of different tactics and it can make it convoluted and confusing. In our situation, people yeah. are constantly saying, oh, it's both sides, both sides. Everyone's petty. Nope, you're missing what is happening here. You are not seeing what's happening here mm -hmm. under the surface if that's what you're taking away from this. But it's understandable why you might look at it and see on the surface that it's both sides, both sides. Understandable. Because it's hard to explain what the difference is, especially if you don't understand social power dynamics. Yeah, it's it's also really easy to say that it's both sides when you're not really invested in the story. It's also easy to paint us as the problem or the villains if you're only listening to Allie's side of things because it seems like she can say oh their podcast is just 16 episodes of bullying me and if you just take that at, fa at face value you'll believe that our podcast every single episode is just us bullying Allie you can even think this episode is just bullying Allie but if you do diligence and form your own opinion and listen and invest a little bit of time and energy into understanding both sides 
you'll see that there's an imbalance here and it's not the imbalance that you think. So then this last inclusion on this list uh, addresses that some people who are facing or experiencing these types of harassment might actually be suffering from mental health issues. And it's worth considering. It's worth, don't gaslight yourself out of what you know to be true, but it's worth considering. It could be a symptom of schizophrenia or other forms of psychosis. So if you have this kind of neurological predisposition, you might start to interpret just benign actions of other people as evidence of harassment or stalking. And so you might start to come up with this idea that you're being targeted uh, when really you're not. I think that can, you might feel like you're the center of everybody's universe. Really, nobody's actively doing that, but you're reading into the behaviors of the people around you. Or even sometimes I think just like signs and synchronicities can become something you get paranoid about. In the cases that I was listening to, and this gets into like, how do you tell? How do you tell if what you're what you're dealing with is your own delusion or if something real is happening to you? And and I don't think there's like hard and fast rules. And I think at the end of the day, it's important for people's experiences to be validated. So so one of the red flags that I was noticing was that in the cases I was listening to. It is not uncommon for people to have just a vague or irrational idea of who might be targeting them. For example, aliens, the elite, Freemasons, these kind of vague organizations, not the government, not a specific government. Or Although I think sometimes people do think like, oh, the FBI or the CIA is after me as well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times if it's just like some unnamed group and then uh it's also pretty common for people to believe that their bodies have been invaded with some kind of electronic device also for them to experience voices or sounds that only they can hear like beeping or like ra- like uh, like people will become convinced that they're picking up radio signals through chips in their teeth or in their brains or in their neck sometimes you'll you'll feel like a like some kind of hard object like maybe you got a cyst or something and you're feeling that within your arm and you're thinking like somebody implanted me with a chip i actually i actually mm. know somebody who went through a psychotic episode and came to believe that their mother had implanted a chip in the back of their neck to keep track of them it was not true but it's just i mean that's that's a very common symptom of uh not very i don't know common it's a symptom of psychosis there was a study that found, and, and it's a study, so again, how do they really know people's experiences? But this study looked at people who were self-reporting, dealing with stalking and gang stalking. And interestingly, they found most of the people reporting stalking to be telling the truth, but they found most of the people reporting gang stalking to be delusional. And that's just one study. Mm. So again, you really don't know, but, but I do think it's not uncommon. For people experiencing delusion, for one of those delusions to be, wow, I'm the center of everybody's universe around me and everybody is out to get me. Thank you for listening. Find additional content at doxedthepodcast.com.